searching for clues to discover God's mysterious plan for your family? Then don't change that dial. Join us now in our discussion of the mystery of parenthood. Here are your hosts, Trey and Stephanie Cashin. Good afternoon. Uh, this is Mystery of Parenthood. Unfortunately, Steph has been sick, so <laughs> so it's kind of uh, it's going to be me and uh, Thaddeus again, and hopefully it'll be worthwhile. Hello, Thaddeus. Hey, Trey. How are you? Good, good I'm, afternoon, I'm, Brazos Valley and Central Texas listeners. I'm doing I'm doing good, and I'm hoping that we've got a few that are sick, but um, hoping they will be uh, minimal. There won't be a bunch of them. And y'all have uh, navigated the orthodontry waves. Yes, actually to the end. off on one, now just a retainer, and then on almost simultaneously. So Boy, they I get thought, you coming and going. I know. Like, it's almost like cars. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, because it seems like you just get finished. You think, okay, I've got that one paid off, and then and then somebody and something else pops up. So uh-huh. It's it is uh one day we might have a financial planner on here or something. <laughs> because uh sometimes I feel like God's uh plan which kind of gets us to the point here but God's plan is not always is to leave me still having to rely on him as right. opposed to having it all lined up and set because sometimes you know you get in your mind a plan of how you're going to do th- do something and mm-hmm. And oh yeah, and then it starts to look like it's going to take fruition, and then all of a sudden there's this curveball thrown. You know, uh, start with the my my mother. We've said this before, but my mom, when asked to give her oldest grandson on the day before he was born on video, his um, the piece of advice that she would say he needed the most, and she said, "Be flexible." And mm-hmm. and uh, Stephanie from behind the camera said, "Well." What's that mean? And she said, well, start off with your plan, where you're going, and head that direction. And when you end up somewhere else, and you will end up somewhere else, pretend like that's where you were heading in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> but that kind of gets us to what we'll talk about today is discernment. And uh, kind of what what is, how do we know what God's plans are? Because sometimes they're they're not having kids growing up. But I think it's really an important thing for us to kind of cultivate an attitude of discernment, not over discernment, because there are things that really require serious discernment. And then there are things that maybe we can overanalyze and should just make a choice and go. Right. Um, but let's begin with our prayer here. Uh, it's always better said by my wife, but we'll go here. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become, for each successive generation, a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than the weak than all the weakness and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the church may fruitfully carry out <clears throat> her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. Through Christ our Lord, who is the way, the truth, and the life forever and ever. Amen. St. John Paul II. Pray, pray for, for us. Holy Family Nazareth. Pray, pray for, for us. us. All right. In the name of the Father, and the Son, Amen. and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so um, I, I don't know. It's, it's something that's been on my heart. You know, how, how, do you dis, how do you discern what one is supposed to do next? You know, how do you discern? And, and there are gradations of that. We used to joke having been around here at St. Mary's that they, that the students, and I, I'm not as in touch as I used to be, but, but back then it used to be that the students are really been given a good background to know that they are called to discern, but that there was always the joke, you know, discerning whether they, they would spend time discerning whether they wanted, whether God wanted them to have peas or carrots tonight, you know, <laughs> and, and I think, I mean, so we can go too far in in that i'm not sure i mean god may have a have a preference i'm not sure <laughs> but um 
but but we need to kind of I don't know if it's gradations. We need to look at what is the process about and when should we do it. Certainly, discernment has to do with trying to figure out what God's will is, right? right? I mean, it has to do with what does he expect from us in any given circumstance, but also it's what does he expect of us for our life. And I think that's where I talk about the where I would say the gradations are important. I don't know if that's the correct word, but there are things that are important. This probably the single greatest thing to discern is what's my vocation. Right. By by definition, vocation means I'm being is from the world to, to call, and therefore we have to we have to know that we're being called, know that God has a will for us. So I guess probably. Backing up a step, the whole idea of discernment from a Catholic perspective begins with God has something for me. So, so even from little kids up, that should be something that should be over and over presented to your kids. God has a plan for your life. It's a it's a plan for a life that nobody else can live. Nobody else can do what you would do, and you're put on this planet for such a time as this, as the book of Esther. You you are here for a reason, and therefore you're called. God is calling you and will be calling you to something. The most important of those things, other than to himself, is a vocation. From I'm not talking about what you do professionally. The, the biggest one, and we as Catholics need to recapture that. Am I called to be to married life? The vast majority are. I mean, God wouldn't have it any other way. The vast majority, probably 90%. The problem is is that there might be one in 10 that are called, but there might be only one in 100 that are answering the call to religious life or right. the other. That's really that. But one thing that can I, I saw— Can I add something yeah, before yeah, you yeah, go ahead. keep going? <clears throat> that even before we get to those three kind of— general vocations that we're called to. Right. There's there's that vocation that all of us are Absolutely. called to to come to come home. We're right. we're all called to come home and and be in heaven right. uh, at there's the end a, of this earthly pilgrimage. So the first question is how am I going to get I, myself home? Exactly. And then what what one of those three is going to help best help me do that and what's that God's plan? It's interesting as we're we're going to be going through kind of the attitudes that St. Ignatius talks about and one of the one of the things that he addresses is not to be confused with the means versus the end right what you're saying is is we're all called we're universally called without exception every human being is called vatican ii spent all of a whole chapter on one of its constitutions universal call on the universal call to holiness meaning without exception there's not a person born on this planet that ever has been ever will be is called to holiness. Holiness is union with God. The ultimate fruition of that holiness is union with God in heaven on the other side of this life. Right. So you're you're exactly right. That that is one thing that we all know we're called to. We without exception. The means by which God is going to draw us is the next step. Um or not the next step because we spend plenty of life. We know when they're little kids, they're not discerning. They may be discerning, but when diapers are being changed and stuff, that's where we kind of figure out and help them figure those things out. But they're, they're not making that decision at that point. What we as parents are doing is help facilitate and have a spirit of discernment, knowing that at some point there is a means by which God is calling them to himself that, it was interesting that mar- that he mentions marriage as being one that people make the mistake that they that that marriage is a means to that end. Um, it is a way of drawing. It's not the end in itself. Right. Which, by its very nature, a sacrament itself says that. With the exception, you know, on this side, the source and summit of our faith is the Eucharist. It's still a sign. On the other side. We will have the fullness of that. There will need be no need for signs because we will see God for who He is. My my kids have asked me, "Well, so will you and Mom be married, or how will you do?" It? I said, "Marriage is literally 
meant to be a sign to this world, to one another, to you as kids, of us growing together in unity in God and being brought together in that in that way. The issue is it's still just a sign on this side. On the other side, we won't be married because marriage is a pointing to a union that will be brought to its fulfillment if we both end up in heaven. If we both end up in heaven, we'll be closer than we are now. We will be in heaven with God together in love itself, not in a, a mere sign of it. So that's why a sign goes away after some time. So right. anyway, but I think it's a great point. Holiness or union with God, that's why we were existed, you know, the old Baltimore Catechism. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> to know, love, and serve <laughs> to God. To know, love, and serve God. And to be with him forever in heaven. Right. And so while we're here, it's, it's all about getting there. Um, so anyway, I don't know if you had. Yeah, that's. I think that's just important to, to lay that baseline. And, and as you're raising your kids from the very beginning, that's it. Why do we go to Mass? To, to experience on this side, in reality, through symbols, through rituals, through things that we as humans somewhat held back by our sinful uh, nature, our own desires, our own wants, held back from actually seeing it all, but we're actually living in reality through these signs in the liturgy what we're what we will live on the other side without blinders on without any confusion without anything in the way um and so we do that that's why we're there we're going to see god we're going to be in his presence in a very special way yeah. so yeah so i think that's the point so holiness as he points out is is at the top at the top of the list union with god and then everything down here is meant to be things that God uses, but it's a way of looking at life. I think that's really important. Um, so there's basically what we have here is the, the seven attitudes of discernment. There's lots of ways discerning. You have discernment of spirits, right? You know, is is this from God? Is this from evil? Is it whatever? I mean, there's there's that. There's the the discernment of what is my vocation. The cool thing is, is there's one thing, like you said, the bottom line is you don't have to discern whether you're called to holiness. Right. (laughs) There's no discernment involved in that. It's the end towards which we need to point ourselves in order to be in the proper frame of reference to be able to make the decision about what am I called to do. Right. You know, so did you have something? Um, Well, I just was going to mention that. So we're going to talk about St. Ignatius of Loyola's seven... Attitudes, attitudes or qualities or qualities that are required for um, an authentic discernment. Right. Process. So he was he was the founder of the Jesuit order. Right. The, um, which is what which is Pope Francis is a Jesuit. Right. Right. Pope. And he was a and he lived from 1491 to 1556. He was a, a Spanish soldier originally, and he was injured in battle. Right. And forced to recuperate at this hospital and. Uh, he was bored out of his mind, and so he was asking the the nuns who were nursing him right. if he had anything to read, and they all they had was religious books. And he had never—he was sort of a nominal Catholic at that point. He really wanted to be a a warrior and a yes, um, you know, a, which you know, yeah, he wanted he wanted to go and fight. Which is funny because if you look at many saints, the at the heart of what they're desiring. It's true. It's there, mm-hmm. but the but what it actually looks like is surprising. What it actually, how it plays itself out is surprising not only to us right. but actually to the person who's right. who's doing it. It's not what they think. Right. right. So he gets these books and starts reading the lives of the saints, and and that leads to this profound conversion of heart. And he goes on to uh, he tries to be a hermit and a and he's a pilgrim for a while. He. Um, but eventually he gathers these men around him yes. to found the Jesuit order. Um, right. And so, and, and th- but I think that's beautiful because that, that, that actually that life right there shows you really parts of what the process of discernment is like. Mm-hmm. 
um, and not necessarily. So, I mean, you take St. Francis. I mean, just take him. You know, he receives this, the call goes and, and, and says, rebuild my church, right? And so he's, he starts literally rebuilding San Damiano. I mean, it's right. literally brick by brick because yeah. it's kind of falling into disrepair. Right. But that's not what God, God's was a much bigger plan, right. you know? Right. But it all began with that. That gets us to the first one, I think, and you can keep going. I think we can probably keep going back to these. Mm-hmm. The first attitude is openness. I mean, a sense of openness and that whatever the decision in question, we have to open with an open mind. We Basically, we cannot have a decision that we're just trying God to carte blanche to give us the rubber stamp. Okay, yeah. So here are my plans, Lord. I just need your approval. Um, we have to be open. And so when we listen to um, uh, when we listen to the stories of St. Francis or this, or even, you know, St. Therese of Lisieux wanted to be a martyr. Well, in a way she was, she wanted to be, which I think is, and the church is so great in pointing out there, there are two uh, patron saints of missionaries. Mm-hmm. One of them was a Carmelite nun that died at 24 and then went, didn't go farther than right. a few miles. Right. <laughs> not a missionary uh but because of the way she her attitude was and because she even died in a way that was out of pure love for god there's a way in which god's trying to point us to through his church and pointing to her that there's a way to be a martyr there's a way to to be a missionary that does not require us to go. So sometimes openness means that we have to be ready to accept God's way of defining what we may have already defined in our own mind. I have this great desire to be a martyr. I have this great desire to be um, a missionary. But maybe what that's going to look like is going to be completely different than what your vision, your definition of that is. So I think openness is to see be open to whatever God points your direction and allow him to surprise you instead of saying, Hey, this is not going my way. I need to keep fighting, um, for, against him. And I think, you know, I've been, I probably have done that myself, but the first one I think that we all need to know is, is openness, not, not going through and being attached to our own definitions, our own ideas about what that means. So with our kids, how do we teach kids? This is this is something where you read the stories of the saints. You when they're younger, you can get those books and read the stories of the saints and look how God does that and point out, you know, point out to them that look, it didn't look the way they thought it was going to look. Sometimes it was bigger from a human, well, maybe not from a human perspective. I mean, a person that wants to go off and fight in a war is meant to fight in a war. That heart of a warrior is something that we have to have as a Christian. It's just that the battle's different. <laughs> it's not going out and, 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 and on the front lines with weapons and stuff. It, it, it may look like St. Ignatius, a person who goes and fights, fights a spiritual war. Um, anyway. Right, and I, I'm just going to interject my own personal opinion here. This is not yeah. uh, Catholic. This is not dogmatic teaching or anything, but I think, I think with your boys, I think it's important to to go ahead and when they're young, when they're coming up, expose them to those stories of heroism, of absolutely warriors of bravery. Don't don't smother that. Let them let them learn those stories from history, from the path, from from the past, from myth, from fiction. And be inspired by that because that's what helps that warrior's heart grow. And when they're older is when you temper that with with prudence, right. with I agree the more the proper moral life, and you but, put that all in in proper and context, you just, right? And you can and you can show them the, the again. You're going to do more with with a life lived, whether it's the way you live your life as a parent or whether you're pointing to somebody else and say, "Look, look how this is." That's going to say more than just merely talking about about this. Yeah. So expose them to stories. 
let them let them hear about the people who died for the sake of somebody else that somebody else might live. Let them see that because that is something that that there's beauty in it and there's goodness in it and there's truth in it. You know, to just hear the story of say Maximilian Colby. Mm-hmm. It's on my, we one of our sons is named after him. To 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 hear that story, there's something attractive about it. I mean, even though when you look at it, I mean, it's a person that's going to end up being tortured and killed, but there's still something there. Let that speak because that's, you know, that's why let them hear the story of the gospel, you know, let them hear, let them, let them, when they get older, see the passion before that Jesus of Nazareth, whatever, but, and then point to the fact that you're called it may look well it will look different than what that person is but god has a call for you right and you need to be open to that and part of that calling i is to be willing to die for someone else <laughs> so that desire for the sake of someone else it may not mean i die but i die in that in that in that way but it does mean i i, I need to lay down my life. Jesus says there's no greater friend than one who lays down his life for his friends. And so I do, I mean, I, you know, with the kids, like it or not, the Patriot I've, you know, I've watched, you know, obviously older Braveheart Mm -hmm. I've watched, you know, they're, they're, they're with my kids and pointed out and there is something that they're drawn to about that guy. Right. You know, that's willing to lay it all on the line, even if it means, torture even if it means death um for the sake of something greater than himself right and that's what we're called to so we just need to be open to that but i think the way you promote that openness even as a young is to read stories of the saints or even others as they grow older expose them to right. those and then always engage them and hey just know you're you're called to that greatness i don't know what it's going to look like but that's what you're called to 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 lay your life down for another right so okay what's number um, two number two is courage i mean i'm sorry it's generosity and all, all generosity this person puts it is um we need to write god a blank check um meaning i i give all of myself um to this i i not 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 this portion of my life not this um thing. so like if you're called to marriage again that's that's part of where the um teaching on on human sexuality and theology of the body comes generosity means i give everything that i have not not hey i'm going to section off this portion of my life or this portion of me and give it we got to be willing to again lay it all on the line um for that I, other than saying that i think that that's um difficult <laughs> but somewhat self-explanatory. So I've got to be open to what has he got without exception, that what's, what's happening. And then I've got to be generous and say, I'll, I'll, whatever I do, I'm going to give, we talked about it last week, all of my heart, all of my soul, you know, all of my strength, all that I have and all that I am. Um, again, I'll back up. One of the prayers I say with my kids, I don't know where I got it. I'm not sure if I, I'm sure I didn't invent it, certainly didn't invent it from that. But every morning I try when I take my kids to school to just pray, pray, you know, basically pray, Lord, help me, help us to be you to others, to say the things that you would say and do the things that you would do and help me to see you at work in my life, in the people that I meet and in the circumstances in which I find myself. And then help me respond in the way that you would respond towards those people and in those circumstances. Yes, and, and St. Ignatius wrote a beautiful prayer. It's called the Suscipe prayer, which okay. is Latin for take. Okay. And it goes like this. Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and possess. Thou hast given all to me. To thee, O Lord, I return it. All is thine. Dispose of it wholly according to thy will. Give me thy love and thy grace, for this is sufficient for me. Yes. Yeah. Amen. But that, but that is that is it. That's that generous heart. Um, then, so the, the number three is courage. 
And so if you're open and you give yourself and then you start to see God may ask you to do something that's difficult. He may ask you to do something that's um, harder than you had <laughs> had planned or had thought. Um, who knows what it, who knows what it, what it is, but if you have been open and you're being generous, then the next step is courage. Courage means, okay, now I've got, begin to feel like this is something there are, there are going to be things coming at me from the external. I always think of there's temperance, which is like from into, you know, fasting is that battle internally to say, I feel hunger. I'm going to deny myself. I'd like that hamburger, but it's Friday. I mean, those are small practices of temperance, kind of the what's inside of us fighting against ourselves. Courage is, is now there's people coming at us. There are events coming at us. There are ideas coming at us that if we, and we even know if we attempt to do what God is calling us to do, we will face something that might cause us pain or distress or whatever. So we've got to pray for courage. So I don't know if you had. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's um, excellent. So yeah, well, good. and just that courage is one of the cardinal virtues. You know, fortitude. Right. So oh, he, so, yeah, and so courage. I mean, for some people, it's essential to the Christian life. And you're in your in your. We got to say, you know, God may be calling. We need to tell calling our kid to be a priest. That would, you know, nowadays that would that's a courageous step for quite a few, or to be a or to be a religious. Sister, and even I mean, in and even in centuries past, it was a it was a oh, courageous yeah, sure. to, to be a genuine to be a good priest was a was a courageous act because so often too too often it could be used for just a way of advancement through right and through think, society and and really things they haven't but just knowing that I mean now things haven't changed so much human nature is still human right. nature there's going to be obstacles right. to doing God's will. And they may come in the form of your own family. They may come in the form of, I mean, there's there's lots of different things of right. the culture, mm-hmm. whatever. But I think courage is another one. The next one, which I think is, this is really cool. It's an um, interior freedom. Um, it requires interior freedom. And he said there's three types of people and their differing approaches to decision making and this interior freedom. Talks about these, and, and you, you, I mean, I think everybody's seen people like this. Maybe you relate to this. The first type, he said, the first type is quote unquote, all talk, no action. And this person has lots of ideas, lots of good intentions, and is open to it, but then starts going after too many things and losing sight of the one thing necessary. Um, and the one thing necessary is what is God asking me to do now? You always talk about Martha and Mary, you know, and the, that's where you know, she chose the one thing. But but the bottom line is is it's Martha that's the the person cooking, right? The one that complains. Mm-hmm. So Mar- Martha, if she hadn't complained, she was doing what was necessary. She was serving God. She was serving that, and then got caught up in well, that's what I've got to do and that's getting in the way of this well in fact sometimes it may be it may be um the one thing necessary is to do that which i think for for i think sometimes we miss we think oh we should be praying but instead i'm having to change a diaper and we get this dichotomy that is not necessarily that if you're a parent you're you need to change the diaper Right. We can make that a prayer as opposed to saying it's getting in the way, make it what draws us closer to God, what puts us more in union with God. So, but anyway, I think in this, he's talking about just the people who have their ideas are across the board. They never do anything. And then they ultimately don't actually act on that. They don't take the courageous step. They're always doing multiple um, things. The second type is they do everything. They do everything, but the one thing necessary. So the first person is chasing after multiple good things, which is pretty easy to do. I mean, we've got some, I know we do that sometimes. We have to step back. There's too many things going on. But we also can get into the trap of 
trying to do everything and therefore losing sight of the one thing necessary. Um, so interior freedom again is not, is not that the third type is truly free. Their whole and deepest desire is to do whatever God's will is for them with no conditions attached. This is the attitude necessary to authentically find and follow God's will for us. I think that all three of these are not that they're they're the way you look at life as much as they are um they're not necessarily distinct. I think you could find in the same exact situation each of these. In other words, you could take a mother who's got a who's got a baby who's crying and I think you could actually find by the way that they respond each of these three because what is the third one what is god's will for me in that moment mm-hmm. and do i do it fully with all of my being not looking beyond or okay i got to get this done so i can get to the other one all the great saints i think were very much focused in god put this person in front of me I, i'm mother teresa they always everybody that ever met her i never did but um always said that you felt like you were the only person on the planet when she was talking to you there was no looking at her watch. There's no looking at what else is going on beside that. We can all talk to people and be these other ones. I mean, I need to talk to that person. I need to talk to that. I need to talk to that person and never actually engage them for who they are in Christ. Uh, or, or the ones that I got too many choices. I'm just going to stay home, <laughs> you know? Um, so anyway, I, I, I find that I find that interesting because I th- I think that if we recognize that no conditions attached. So if God's calling you to prayer in the midst of taking care of children and it doesn't look like well, I sure would rather be doing this in the adoration chapel. It'd be quieter. Right. <laughs> Jesus you'd be there. That's not embracing fully what God has for us because we know that in those circumstances he's saying Embrace what that will is for you. So, for example, I one of the things I've talked about kids, you know, we've talked about handling kids crying in the church. I, I've had people, which they obviously didn't see us growing with our kids growing up, but people apologize for how their kids, but if you watched how they handled the kids, it was beautiful. Did they make some noise? Yes, but they were talking to them there. If they got too loud, they walked them out. And they said, well, I didn't get anything out of mass. I said, but you were doing exactly what God was calling you to do in that moment. Right. That it, there's nothing. So don't, for, don't be walking out going, this kid's getting in my way. <laughs> Walk out with your heart pointed backwards saying, I know this is what I'm meant to do, and I'm doing it for you, Lord. That's why I think it's so important we miss when faith intersects with real concrete life experience. That's where it really happens. That's where the day-to-day life of being a dad, being a mom, being a husband, being a wife happens. And sometimes we put our own um, limitations. What is it supposed to look like? And again, it's being open to that. I challenge all of you, do the best you can with your kids. Um, Bring them to mass, even if they're young. Don't be afraid to walk out either, but don't make it into something that it's not. If you're doing that, it took a long time for me to get there. But when I did get to the point where I said, I've got to take this kid out early on, I had to, I had to figure out how to make this work early on. I would get angry and that's how I have to go back to mass. But in talking to a priest, and I was like, he was like, no, that that's what you're meant to do at that moment. So just offer it back to him as right. you're walking out, right? Offer the humiliation. Of a kid not behaving when you have a dadgum radio show, you know, when you're, when you're giving, because the reality is, is that we all find ourselves in those circumstances. Those are part of what God's will in that moment is to be humble in that, in that moment. Yeah. We like to go right and sit in the very front row if possible, Uh, not because we're trying to show off or we want everyone to look at us, but because we think that gives us the best chance for the children to to pay the most attention. And if they don't behave, there's a nice, there is some nice, um, humbling chastisement that you, you go through um, by having to take the longest walk possible to, to I'm, go I'm out. I'm sure we didn't talk, but we, we discerned that that was the best way for us. Yeah. 
because number one, if they're sitting that back, that was in Robin's the back, insight. So yeah. But, so Kudos. Stephanie and I, if you if if you went to St. Mary's about fifteen years ago at at eleven a.m. mass back when there was an eleven o'clock mass, the Cashins were sitting on the front row every Sunday with our kids. Yep. And the reason was was because number one, we could actually talk to them about it, and then yep. and then say, hey watch us too what's what's going on and you could teach you know hey there's jesus yep. when they're too far back particularly on the ground floor another place that's good is the upper the uh, choir mary's yeah. the choir loft but on the front seat because yep. if they're back too far i can't see i right. mean and and all how I hard see is, is someone's kids? back oh yeah i mean how hard is that yeah. i mean so i highly encourage that does it lead to some humbling experiences absolutely <laughs> But what? But my point is, is that I think that what Saint Ignatius is pointing to here is the situation of a of a, of a child crying that needs to be removed from mass by you can be handled multiple ways. Right. If we see it as God's will that you be the example and and go out and we offer it to Him as okay, right now in this moment, right. this is what I'm called to do. That's a that's a sacrifice acceptable right. offered back through Christ to to the Lord that way. And a so. couple couple more things. Um if if we're not with children in a mass and children are crying or misbehaving, let's try to let's try to first pray for those kids. <laughs> yeah. Pray yeah. for those families before we just give in to our annoyance. Although sometimes that you know that annoyance is gonna come come up inside yes. of ourselves. Anyway, and it's funny because of the height, the height, and the, like I said, I've seen coming from where I come from. When I see them, people think, "Well, my kid, well, my kids always did that." It's just the management of right. Am I am I working with them? You know, if I see a kid, if I see a kid at the well, as the host is elevated, go Jesus real loud. Yeah, you know, people are like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed." To like, well. That you've taught them well, right? If they recognize that, now right. we got to pull them back. But we certainly don't want to like, let's go beat the kid. Right. I mean, he, you know, if he's saying that's Jesus, yeah. I mean, if he's saying that's Jesus, then amen. Right. <laughs> Just wait. Let's be a little bit quieter. Exactly. You know. And I think the the um, interior freedom habit is also helps me to appreciate and interpret that parable of. The two sons that Jesus talks about, the one son um, says he's going to go do what the father asks, and then he doesn't do it. And then the other son says he's not going to do what the father asks, but then he ends up doing what what his father asks. So we all go through these three habits of these three stages of interior freedom, and, and the goal is to ask for God's grace to get us to that third stage right in the ultimate back to that third stage of, right in the ultimate the ultimate thing is to actually concretely do what he exactly. asked you to do like, exactly. like you said not to just intend to do it yep. um and not to just do it hurriedly without recognizing but to actually do it and then recognize i'm doing it because you asked me in a way that is a way that gives you glory right. and therefore i'm going to do it even if it humbles so me. that first son he he was reluctant to to obey but something moved in his heart, and he got himself, and God got himself to, got him to, to do what the Father asked. Yeah. So I, and, and then um, I guess we're, no, we're number five. We're, yes. We're, I guess we're moving along. Um, number five, a habit of prayerful reflection of one's experience. So it's basically praying about the experience that we have, and that's part of that prayer that I say that you know, recognize him in the circumstances that we have what's what's coming on you know um if we're not it says how can we hear god's call if we're not listening and how can we listen if we're not praying we have to pray but we have to recognize that the way god is revealing himself is in the actual experiences that we're having i think we miss jesus we miss god working in our lives a lot because he we don't recognize him in the day-to-day stuff What's the beauty of St. Francis when he hears rebuild my church? Think about this. You know, if I heard rebuild my church, hey, let's start with the Vatican, you know, not the, not the Vatican building. Let's start with all the people there. You know, God wants me to rebuild it. What did, what did St. Francis, the humble one, do? Okay, 
I'm going to go pick up this rock and put it over here. Yeah. So he saw the thing right in front of him as the thing to deal with. Right. He 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 didn't superimpose like the the grandeur. Right. The ironic the irony about that is it did by his answering and seeing God in that experience, God took his obedience and said, "Do that." I mean, I always am amazed. You know, we always talk about. I think, you know, if I'm good enough, God's going to, I mean, think about St. Paul. It was his, it had to have been his zeal for God. The God, the God knew down in his heart, he was really trying to please him, even if he was killing Christians. But I mean, he had to have them change. He had to reroute that vigor, you know, that zeal, but God can appreciate the zeal. I mean, God knew this, this person loves me. He just doesn't have the whole story, right. you know? Right. And so I think sometimes um, sometimes it's just we've got to live out concretely. I mean, he would, you know, we got to live out concretely what's in front of us with that same passion and recognize it in the circumstances that we see ourselves in. Absolutely. In those moments, not in what's going to happen, not try, let me get through this. Being present in the moment is part of being having this prayerful reflection on one's experience. Um, God can reveal himself through that. Number six. So to recap, we've had openness, generosity, courage, interior freedom, and prayerful prayerful reflection. And now number six. Number six is having one's priority straight. <laughs> um, and this person makes the comment, says that, you know, Ignatius's spiritual uh, spirituality has a ruthless logic. <laughs> you know, if, if serving God, our creator and Lord is the ultimate goal of our lives and everything else in our lives must be kept subordinate in position to that. It's as merely a means to that end. And so it's a, it's a framework of, of looking, having one's priority straight is again, starting with what do we know? We don't have to discern at all that God is calling us to holiness to union with him. There is no discernment there that there should be freedom with that. So let's do, let's put that as number one. What does it mean to be holy? What does it mean for me? And what do I need to do to move towards that holiness to the extent that I have? Because ultimately God's got to come to me. I mean, that's the beginning of it. It's where it's all grace, prevenient grace, it's all grace on the front end. But then what do I do in response to that grace? And that everything I do from that is right. is leading towards that holiness. Right. It's um, easy to it's easy to miss to miss that. Do you remember the the film A Few Good Men? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. There's that scene where Tom Cruise, who's the the lawyer, the lawyer right. is talking to those two the two Marines that are at the center of the investigation right, and right. he asks them he's talking about how they're commanded by Jack Nicholson, the right, colonel in, right. in Guantanamo. And one of the Marines says that our the motto that he insisted on was God, core, country. And Cruz looks at you know his fellow lawyer, and they're like, uh, that doesn't sound correct. Right. It should be God, country, core. You don't put the Marine Corps ahead of the ahead of the, of the, Uni- the United States. Right. Right. So you've got to have your priorities. priorities straight. If you don't have your priorities in the correct order, you can get off on some bad. It's a, it's a great question, and this is a my conversion. My conversion at least began not only with an invitation, but with actually a question from a guy that I respected, still respect, still somebody that that I keep in touch with. He asked me one time about a weekend to being asked for a Bible. He said a Bible study. He he said, "What are your priorities? List them, write them down." He wrote wrote them wrote them down. And he took them and he said, okay, this week, this next week, your job is to look at what you do every day and then tell me what your priorities are by, by what you're doing day to day. That was a life changing week because what I became very much aware of by concretely, what was I choosing to do? I was first, my wife and kids were second and God was a distant third. It became so evident to me that that was the case. So, how do we know what our priorities are? You know, 
check your checkbook. <laughs> check what you do every day. Check the attitude with which you approach what you do every day. If what do you do when you're by yourself? What do you when do no when you're by when yourself? No one's looking. Right. When that is a way of checking your priorities. We all should do that ourselves, I think. Um, but it should be because I told him, you know, God, I told him, I wrote down what I knew the right answer was. Yeah. God, family, friends, and then me. You know, I'd read I Am Third, you know, the old Gail Sears book. You know, I'm <laughs> I'm third. God, family, me. But it became apparent to me that one, well, you can't, you can't help your kids be, they will know what your priorities are. They, they will know by your actions, what your priorities are. Right. Um, not just your words. They will know by your action. You know, the, the old song cats in the cradle, y'all may be too young to know that, but if you ever get a chance to listen to Harry Chapin's version of cats in the cradle, it, it'll, it'll hit home, especially for dads, but, but it's about a dad, um, Who's, remi- who's remembering all the events in his life where his kids were, his boy was coming and asking him to play. And he said, I've got, some, I've got something to do. I'll do that later. And puts it off, puts it off. And then when he gets older, um, he calls his son and asks his son to do something. And his son said, you know, it's too busy. I'll do it later. Yeah. And then he said, he, it occurs to me, he, the boy was just like me. Is the, is the, I've got chills now because the song, I love that song. Yeah, that's a that's um, a great song. But um, but anyway, that's about getting priorities straight. And priorities are not just like okay, I list them that way. It's how do they play out concretely in real life? And you should be able to look and tell <laughs> if God's number one. What are you doing to make sure He's number one? A morning offering? Right. Am I am I dedicating the whole day? Am I dedicating each hour mm-hmm. to God and seeing Him in the day to day stuff? that I have to do. Oh, I mean, just a little personal anecdote. I mean, just this morning I was trying, and I say trying specifically to say my prayers when I woke up, and I must have had three or four times where I came back and said, Lord, forgive me. My mind wandered off onto something else. I'm so, so sorry. Right. And... And that's it. And God, and God appreciates that. He knows, you know, I mean, he, he knows, uh, it, he understands effort. He understands that. And, and again, at some point we go by, but we need God's grace to do it. But I think also we have to, sometimes I think he allows us to recognize we can't do it by ourselves. And as much as we will it, we don't, but we've got to show up. Yeah. I, I think it was, a, I forget some, somebody I heard recently that I respect on a, on a TV show on EWTN said, was recounting that, hey, what's prayer? Just show up. Right. I mean, show up. Do your best you can. But yeah, make... Bishop Barron likes to quote Thomas Merton, who said, take the time. Right. That's the first step. So, again, everything's scheduled on your calendar, right? Concretely. I mean, you, you know, i got to pick up the kids here. i got to do this there. i got to meet that guy here. You know, put 20 minutes down, 10 minutes down, whatever you can to show concretely God's at least on my list. Right. Right. So, and then the last one we've kind of talked about is, is don't confuse the ends with the means. We don't want to confuse the ends with the means. Well, what are the ends? Well, what the end is a call to holiness, to be with God in heaven, to do his will, whatever it is. What are the means? The means are the things that we do every day, you know, specifically, Vocation, right? Uh, how's he using us in marriage to draw himself to each one of us to holiness, or in the religious life? He's using that to get that. But those are those are means to that end. But I'd like to extend it beyond that because I think all the stuff that goes on every day, the the crooked lines, the things that that wasn't part of my plan. Yeah, <laughs> those are all things that we need to recognize God at work in our lives, right? Yep. That's what it means to um, make sure that we keep holiness as being where we're headed. And how do we do that? Well, frequent the sacraments. Give a morning offering. Offer God. Just take five minutes. Find one. Just 
pull up morning offering on, on that. I mean, you can just say, Lord, I give you today everything I think, do, and say, and I unite it with the perfect sacrifice of Christ, thy son on the cross, and I give it to you. All that I do, all that I am, all that I have is yours. Yeah, I'll make the sushi pay prayer. Yeah, yeah the prayer, prayer that you just read that, that, that St. Ignatius um, had. Take everything that I have, all. I, I, I hold nothing back. I give it all to you. And then go do what you do. He's not asking you if you're uh, somebody that's got lives in hand, if you're a policeman, to be distracted. Well, i got to stop and say a prayer when there's stuff going on you got to take care of. The way you pray is do your job well. The way you pray is to focus on what he's got you doing at that moment. That's what we as Catholics have to do with the, We're taking the incarnation seriously. So anyway, those seven. Seven oh. are openness, generosity, courage, interior freedom, prayerful reflection, proper priorities, keep ends and means distinct. Right. And then I'll give, here's a verse, Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may prove what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so, again, we want to, we want to be transformed by these things, openness, generosity, courage, what he just did. So, anyway, um, I'll try to do what Stephanie, Stephanie says. Uh, parent with a purpose. <laughs> No, pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. And if you do that, everything will be great. Let's all get to heaven, guys. God bless. Thank you for listening to this local production of Red Sea Catholic Radio. Tune in next week at the same time to hear Trey and Stephanie Cashin share more on the mystery of parenthood.